We are very, very excited about getting to the field. Um, we are um, praying that the Lord will allow us to finish by the end of, end of the year. We have meetings all the way to the 19th of December, which if you know your calendar, that is the Sunday before Christmas. So we're very excited. I want to share something with you tonight, and for a few minutes, if you can uh, maybe uh, think of me just as another brother in Christ and forget that I'm a missionary, because what I'm talking about, you know, talking with you tonight about is um, something that applies to all of us, even us missionaries, and that is this idea of giving to missions. It is something that I have a responsibility to do just as much as you do. Even though I'm a missionary and I am uh, living on mission support, I also... I give to missions through my local church. Because I have a responsibility just like anyone else. I was a Christian before I became a missionary, and today I'm still a Christian. All the responsibilities that fall on your shoulders, as far as the reaching the whole world, are also fall on my shoulders. If you turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number uh, 28, and we'll begin reading in verse number 19, I want you to think about why. Why should you give to faith promise? I'm not talking about how much. I'm talking about why. We know that uh, there are probably a lot of different things in the Bible, reasons why you should give to faith promise. I want to look at a few tonight, but I really want to look at one reason, and we'll get to that in a few minutes here. But why should you give to faith promise? Before we get, start reading, let's go ahead and pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, humbly we come before you tonight, and Lord, we are so grateful to be in your house, and so grateful to have a free country, Lord, to worship you. Lord, we ask that you would help our hearts and our minds to be focused on your word. Lord, help me to say exactly what you'd have me to. Lord, may you feed your people from your word. Lord, we ask all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Here in verse um, number 19, this is the last chapter in the book of Matthew. The Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to stop right there. And this is really part of the introduction. But I want you to remind us, why should you give the faith promise? And simply here we find our responsibility. The first word there is go. That is a command, not a suggestion. And we understand that applies to all of us. So we all have this command. We all have this responsibility to reach the world. So why am I going to be a missionary? Why would you give to faith promise? One reason, and hopefully not the only reason, but one reason why uh, we would give to faith promise is because of this idea of responsibility. Now think about the, the word responsibility. You know, when I grew up, I grew up on a farm, and my dad taught us responsibility. And from the age of five, I had chores outside every morning, different animals that I would take care of. And so if you understand the idea of responsibility, we called it a chore. Um, we, we did our chores every morning. But it was not something I did because I liked to. It was not something I did because I uh, was concerned about those animals' health. No, it was something I did because it was my responsibility. So think about th this idea of responsibility. This is something you do if you're a responsible person. So if I'm a responsible Christian, I'm going to support missions because I cannot reach the whole world personally myself. Uh, look with me now in chapter number 9. I think we find another reason here. Chapter number 9 and uh, verse number... This is the book of Matthew, verse number 36. You're probably most familiar with 37 and 38. The Bible says in verse 37, while you're turning there, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. So we know he's talking about missions, we know he's talking about reaching the lost, but look now with me in verse 36, this is talking about Jesus, 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I want you to think about, this is talking about Jesus, and it says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Talking about his emotions were stirred up because of what he saw. So another reason why you might give to missions, or you might have a heart for missions, is because your heart is touched. You see the missionary presentation, and your heart is touched for these people who go to church, these people who are religious, these people who are trying to do good. And yet, they're still on their way to hell. Understand with me, uh, this is our compassion. Why should I give to missions? Is because I have compassion like Jesus did. Jesus was moved, I should be moved. When you, when you meet a lost person out uh, and about, maybe at the store or wherever, and they begin to tell you their life story or whatever's going on in their life, and pretty soon you realize that the reason why their life is in shambles is because they have no hope. If you're like Jesus, your heart should be touched with compassion for their lost condition. So understand, this is a biblical reason to give to missions. Because I see, and I hear, and I read those letters about these lost people around the world, and my heart is touched. But follow me now, if the only reason why I'm going to give to missions is just because of compassion, then perhaps my missions giving is really going to be up. Whenever we have missions conference, whenever um, we're seeing all these missionary presentations, and then if we go a couple months and we don't have any missionaries, and, and if, I'm not, um, if I don't have it in front of me, then my compassion is going to start waning really fast. And then so is my giving, because that's the only reason why I'm giving. Uh, follow me now. This is a biblical reason to give to Faith Promise. You should have compassion like Jesus did. You should give out of, of responsibility. But if the only reason why you give is simply because of responsibility, then how are you going to do it cheerfully? I did not do my chores cheerfully every morning. No, I did it because it was my responsibility. Follow me now. There's another reason why I think we should give to faith promise. You look in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. And you're familiar with these chapters and talking about missions. Probably the most familiar verse in this chapter is verse number 7, talking about how God loveth the cheerful giver. But I want to look one verse ahead of that, verse number 6. This is 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Here you have this promise. So we have the responsibility, we have compassion, now we have a promise. If you, in the area of giving to missions, if we sow bountifully, if we do it, uh, in excess or in a lot, then God's going to bless us a lot. So, um, we understand, a separate from prosperity gospel, uh, God blesses us in a lot of different ways, other than just financially. But you understand, God does bless missions giving. And if you say, hey, I want God to bless me, so I'm going to give to missions. This is a biblical reason to give to missions. Uh, follow me now. Um, I think, usually you would say, well, I'm always going to want God to bless me. But I think there are times in our life when we're less passionate about it. Think about when, I don't know about you, but for me, um, when I saw that there was a stimulus check in my bank account. I thought, wow, I didn't pray for this money. I didn't really think it was going to come. And it just showed up. At that moment, I was feeling really blessed financially. At that moment, I didn't feel like I really, really needed God to bless me. 
So if the only reason why I'm going to give to faith promise is solely based on the fact that I want God to bless me, I think we're still going to have a little bit of trouble being consistent. This is not, understand with me, there are a lot of reasons in the Bible why to give to missions. I hope that all of these things, there's not one of them that you would say, this is the only reason why I'm going to give to faith promise. Follow me now, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, probably the most familiar chapter when talking about missions. If I can just read a couple verses at the beginning and get our mind on, on, the, on the chapter and the context here. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, or to know, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. He said, hey, brethren, I want you to know, this church at Corinth, I want you to know how God has blessed this church in Macedonia. Look now with me in verse number 2. The Bible says, How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. I can just I simplify that to say, here was a church, they were in deep poverty, they were in the great trial of affliction, and yet they gave liberally. And this, this, he's going to go on to explain this example uh, of giving to missions. But look now with me in verse number 8, the Bible says, I speak not by commandment. He's going, talking about this church in Macedonia, talking about how that they're giving to missions. And then he says, but this is not a commandment. In other words, the reason why we're giving to missions is not because God commanded you to give to missions. God does command us to tithe. And he tells us exactly how much. It's 10%. But God doesn't tell you a 5% or 7% is what you should give to missions. It's simply the Bible says uh, here in this passage, Apostle Paul saying this is not a command. But by the occasion of the forward. Uh, forwardness of others. So simply he's saying here, I want to encourage you to give through this example, this occasion of the forwardness of others. How this church in Macedonia has already been giving. And if you knew, you lived in that area, you knew how poor those people were in Macedonia, uh, you would understand, hey, if those poor people can give to missions, well then we definitely can too. When I was in Kenya, I, I learned that the church there in Nairobi, they were giving to missions. Even though they made very, very little money, uh, far below our poverty level, um, these people, that some of them make $20 a week. And they support a family on that. They were giving to missions. They were supporting the national on the other side of the country. When I learned that, my heart was touched. Uh, maybe I need to give a little bit more. Uh, surely I can spare something if these people can. But notice with me, I speak, uh, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others, this last phrase, and to prove the sincerity of your love. This is what I want you to think about tonight. I want to prove the sincerity of my love. Think about Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And they're reading it there. And their first question should be, well, my love for who? Or my love for what? Here's Apostle Paul writing this letter. And you think of all that Apostle Paul has went through just to get the gospel uh, spread throughout Asia and, and Europe. And here you have Apostle Paul. He's writing this letter. And you think, wow, yes, I want to prove my love for Apostle Paul. Man, all the suffering, all the beating, all the shipwrecks that he did just so that we could get the gospel. But that's not what he's talking about. And he's not talking about, I want to prove my love for all those other lost people that Apostle Paul needs to go to and he needs to preach the gospel to them. Follow me now. Verse number 9, the Bible says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. 
Think about how Jesus Christ, as a missionary, left a much better place in heaven. He was rich, and he became poor. He came to earth. He was born into a carpenter's family. And for the uh, great extent of his ministry, he was rejected of his own people. Ultimately, to die on a cross for one reason, so that you and I could be rich in heaven. Here you have Apostle Paul saying, I want you to prove your love. I want you to prove the sincerity of your love. Not for missions in general, not for me as a missionary, but I want you to prove your love for Jesus Christ. And not just for Jesus Christ because he's a great person, he's a great God, but for Jesus Christ, for what he did for you on the cross. Follow me now. I want to give consistently. I'm trying to do it cheerfully. But I'm struggling with just responsibility. I'm struggling with just um, this idea of compassion. I'm struggling to be consistent with just this idea that I want God to bless me. But when it comes to this idea of proving the sincerity of my love for Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what time of life I'm in. Whether it's the time of life when I have a lot of children and I have a lot of bills, or whether it's the time of life when I'm, I'm uh, living on my retirement and I have limited funds and, and I, I don't know what's going to happen if I run out of funds. Regardless what time of life I'm in, it's never too hard, never too much for me to prove my love for Jesus Christ. Think about what he says here in this verse to prove the sincerity of your love. He did not accuse this church of not loving Jesus Christ. He didn't say, you know, you guys don't really appreciate what Jesus did for you on the cross. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even say this is the only way that you can prove your love for Jesus Christ. He's just asking for this proof. Think about how that, in in court case, you have a a lawyer that try to defend their case, and they're trying to prove what they're saying. There are some types of proof that don't count in a court case. Think about this, in this this, uh, passage, in this verse, Apostle Paul is asking for this kind of proof, this giving, this kind of proof for your love for Jesus Christ. You know, when I think of uh, the idea of proving, I think of a, as a young boy, I, I grew up in church, and, and uh, uh, when I would hang out with my friends, we would try to prove to each other how strong we were. And we would hold up our arm, we'd roll back our sleeve, and we would show our muscle because we were trying to prove something. Several months ago, I was in a church in Kansas, and I was uh, preaching uh, for the English church there, but in the afternoon, there was a Korean group that met and uh, they asked me to come down and preach to them. And I'm uh, preaching through an interpreter. And at the end of the service, they began to tell me how that they were saved because of a ministry that was started because of a, uh, the ministry of Adoniram Judson. And because Adoniram Judson was the one that brought the gospel to them, they have a tremendous heart for missions. And if you remember the story of Adoniram Judson, uh, he lost his first wife and all of his children um, with her uh, there in the country. And then he remarried and lost his second wife and their children there in the country because of their sickness. And even um, when he died, he had no children that were living because he spent his life there in, in Burma and translating the Bible and preaching the gospel to those people. So here you have these, these Karen people here in uh, 2021. And they're telling me how they love missions. And I'm thinking, wow, this is great. And then they explain to me how in their churches today, they have a a day they set aside every year to remember what Adonai Judson did for their people. I thought that's really cool. 
And then pretty soon, there was only five people there in the congregation that day. It was an ice storm. And uh, by no means am I expecting any kind of a love offering from this group. The other church is taking care of me. Just trying to be a blessing to them. Just trying to teach them about missions. And pretty soon, one of them brings up an envelope and uh, said, This is from my family. We just wanted you to know how much we love missions and we love what you're doing. And I'm beginning to start getting embarrassed. I know these people work for the Tyson plant. They're not well off. They're very poor people. And here they're trying to give to me, and I, I feel bad. And pretty soon another one, another one. Each, all five of them had an envelope for me that day telling me how much they love missions and appreciate what I was doing. When I went back to my room, I opened up those envelopes. There weren't $5 bills in there. There weren't 10s or 20s or 50s. These people gave a lot. And you know what that told me that day? These are not the people that just say they love missions. These are the people that prove that they love missions. And you know, when when God looks at our life, we know that God knows how much money we have. He knows how much money we make. He knows our expenses. He knows what we put in the offering plate, although no one else in the church knows how much you give to missions. God does. The question for tonight is are you proving your love for Jesus Christ? Think about, think about this amount, this offering that we're, we're giving, is proving our love for Jesus Christ. Now think about how you give more to your spouse or to a close loved one than you do to uh, somebody else in the church when it comes to time for their birthday or somebody else that's further out because you love them more, your spouse or your, your close loved one. And when I was a young person, I grew up in a large family. There was 10 of us children. And uh, every time someone had a birthday, we would give them something for their birthday. But without allowance, as a little child, I had no money to buy them a present. I would write them a little card, and there was nothing to put in the card. I was just writing them a little birthday card. You know, today I'm 27 years old. If I write one of my siblings a birthday card, and I don't put something in it, it's not going to prove that I love them. You follow me now? It doesn't mean what it used to mean. Because I have more means. And when it, comes to, when it comes to your missions giving, you don't have to prove to your pastor that you love Jesus Christ. You don't have to prove to your other, other church members that you love Jesus Christ. Just to Jesus. Jesus is the one who knows where you're at in life. He knows how much money you make. He knows how many expenses you have. But does your giving prove that you love Him? You know, in this same passage in verse number 12, the Bible says, For first there be a willing mind... It is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. I want you to understand the amount that you give is something you should pray about, is something you should ask God what he would have you to give. But your motive behind giving this amount hopefully goes beyond, well, God said I should, God told me to do it, God laid this amount on my heart, and I'm surrendered, and so I'm going to do it. Hopefully this goes beyond just having a responsibility to reach the world. Hopefully this goes beyond just the fact that your heart is touched when you see a missionary presentation, you see those people, and you think about their lost condition. Hopefully this goes beyond just the fact that you want God to bless you. I know all of you want God to bless your life. Hopefully when you give, you can do it cheerfully, you can do it consistently, because, hey, I'm proving my love for Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know uh, how long you've given to missions. I don't know how long uh, or or how you give to missions. But for me, it's a percent. 
My income has always not been consistent. But when I give a percent, my giving is consistent. There's no amount in the Bible of a particular percent as far as giving to missions. But I understand, based on what I have, I give. And regardless whether you give a, a, a fixed amount every week or you give a percent, when you think about this amount, can you say, hey, I know that in God's eyes, there's proof that I love him. There's proof that I'm grateful for what he did for me on the cross because of my giving. You know, you know in, in when, it, when it comes to me and the way I think, sometimes I overthink things. Sometimes you look at that phrase, you know, God loves a cheerful giver, and it just seems like, well, you know, sometimes it's just really hard to be cheerful, so maybe sometimes it's just really hard to be that person that God loves. But when you understand, hey, I'm going to prove my love for Jesus Christ, there's no time in my life when it's too hard to give. You know, when it, when it came to my wife and we were dating, and we were um, just... I say dating, we call it dating, we're courting, we were with other people. But understand, um, I was out shopping with her one day, and there was a, a, a dress that she wanted to buy, and, and it was, in her mind, way too much money. It wasn't on sale, it wasn't a good deal. But I wanted to buy it for her because I was trying to prove something to her. I was trying to prove to her that I loved her. And, you know, uh, we laugh about it today because, you know, that was a lot to pay for a dress. You know, you could have got several for that price. But for me, that day, I had one thing in mind. I wanted to prove to her something. And when you give your, your offering, and, and you try to do it consistently, and you, you try to do it cheerfully, let us remember that this is our opportunity to prove our love for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful to be in your house. And Lord, we know that you love missions and you love lost souls. When it comes to our, our opportunity to give, or may we do it cheerfully, may we do it consistently, because not only with our mouths do we love you, but with our actions, there's proof that we love you. Lord, we are so grateful for the opportunity, Lord, to give back to you. Lord, we ask all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I think that was very well developed. What a great point you brought out there, where it's just not about the responsibility of it. It's just not allowing the compassion to drive you. Uh, that can lead to different consistency. The verse that came to mind once he got to his point, once I seen where he was going for it, I read through that verse, and I knew he, where he was going was, of course, Second Corinthians 5. Go back just to uh, the previous chapter, when the Apostle Paul said, For the love of Christ constraineth me. That is always the greatest motivation for why we do what we do, because we truly want to honor God. That stays consistent. It keeps consistency in your Christian life, not just with missions giving, which we are responsible to do because we do have the command, but the motivation that should be behind it is for us to honor God, not to impress another person, not just out of duty. God, the, as the Bible says, God loveth a cheerful giver. You can go back into Deuteronomy where God, God even told Israel is under command to serve him with joy. And when you begin to see all that God did do for you, and you begin to serve him simply because you love him, and to prove that sincerity of your love. And I think the illustration was great when he showed with the, the, the fact of the dress costing a lot. That was an opportunity. I, I mean, he wouldn't approve much if he said, well, this one was on sale for $2.99. Isn't, ain't I a good thrifty buyer for you? 
No, no, no. You look for the most outrageously thing priced. Once you're married, forget about that. You can go. You can get cheap at that time. <laughs> but if you, if you want to get to that altar with her, no. You, you look for the most outrageously priced thing to prove the sincerity of your love. <laughs> Ignore that one piece of advice. That's not true. You keep that up even afterwards. But with heads bowed and eyes closed here this evening. Perhaps you're here. This message, of course, was for Christians tonight. It was for us who are saved and know the Lord. And are thankful for us hearing the gospel. There was somebody that told you. There was somebody that invited you to church. There was somebody that came by your house. There was a co-worker you were with. All of that is missions. There's people in this world like places in Kenya where there's just so few of those opportunities. And we, have, we as a church, as we know, have that responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and to send those missionaries. But perhaps you're here, you're on the other side of that. You're not even certain if you're genuinely converted. You do not know for certain if you were to die right now that you would go to heaven. If you're concerned about that, if you're just not sure what would happen, or you think, I would go to hell. There's just some question here question there at all. You say, Pastor, please pray for me. I do have a question about my salvation or I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. Please, I need you to pray for me. Would you just put your hand up for me? Let me acknowledge it and you can put it back down. I see a couple of small children is all I'm seeing. If you put your hand up, I did miss it. All right, Christian. If you need to come and pray, I would look at this message not only in light of missions, but in any area of service before God. As the Apostle Paul said earlier in 2 Corinthians, for the love of Christ constraineth me. It's why the guy did what he did. It's the motivation. Father in heaven, please bless and work in this invitation, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Turn to page 490. And if you need to come and pray, you have a need or something or something with the service,